All right, we gonna call this one. I quit once. I'm not your positivity guy. He's like, you can do it, stay inspired and all that. But I am a guy to tell you to be tough. And I speak on resilience plenty. Because I feel like if you're not going to be strong enough and you don't make up your mind to endure whatever comes along with the route you take, A, you don't deserve it. B, it's probably not going to happen, right? But I call this, I quit once because there was a time when people around me went all out of their way from me. And the example came to me because I noticed lately, like guys I used to work with, I would just look them up online to see what they were doing. I saw that some of them were no longer with us from my old job. And it made me think about the people who were there. And I thought of one person in particular. I'm like, I really didn't like that guy like that. And that guy kind of hated on me some. But then I thought, he went out of his way for me. We had a supervisor that I did not love. But he really did me a solid as they say because hopefully this is recording high like it should be my bad I adjusted the volume so if it wasn't high it should be now but he did me a solid because this is the deal I was going to uh, college in the fall and I had to take the full 15 or 12 credits and plus I wanted to maintain my job so what he made a point to do was allow me to have my days off on all the days we would have games because I was supposed to play on the basketball team and that was the big thing and they all kind of invested in it guys started to line the vacation days with <clears throat> the days I had games on the schedule this is like the start of the season before it started actually so you had people making adjustments to be at the game you had people who are higher-ups making sure I could be off to be able to travel to the games and do what I needed to do. And at that point, you got to think I'm 19. So these people are basically investing in the future of me and making sure I have a proper springboard to be all I felt I wanted to be. And it reminds me of high school where you had relatives and all that driving you to the games and friends driving you to the games driving you to practices showing up and what you need to do man is step proper when people are investing in you man you got to give them a, a, a proper payment on their energy and effort and hopes and their positive spirit based on and invested in you. That's why when I look at high school, it's hard for me to accept some of that. And in this situation I'm speaking on now, when I got into college, it was the same thing. And I would say the pressure was too much for me. 
I felt like in my mind that where I went to school and the competition we had in high school and this, that, and the other, I felt like when I went to this smaller, um, I can't even say metro area, but when I went from Northern Virginia in high school to Southern Maryland, I felt like I would just be able to step out on the court and people would just lay down for me because of where I went to school or who I played against. And how good I thought I was. I had my eyes so set on where I was going to be in two years. And how I was going to use this to land myself a better situation. That I kind of overlooked the competition and those around me. And I didn't have proper respect for the game. And I didn't have proper respect for the people who invested in me. Who cleared the way to make it easier for me. By allowing me the rope and cushion to go out and excel and not have to worry about maintaining my job. They made it as easy for me as possible. All I had to do was go out and perform. And at the time, I wasn't looking at it that way. I was so wrapped up in my head that this was my big opportunity to step past them and be this star. I thought I would go there and then transfer to a bigger school, and I just totally overlooked the school I was going to and the competition that was out there. It wasn't as easy as I thought it was going to be. And as somebody pointed out to me once, they're here to win. They're here to excel like you are. So you coming in expecting everybody to lay down because you showed up. It's not how it goes, you know? And I had a hard time with that. And I broke down at that at that time because you got to think, when I first graduated, I had so much time to myself. I was the closest version to depressed as I've ever been. I mean, basically I was because I alienated so many people growing up, especially around that time period, that all I had was at that time these hopes for what I would be so I was totally basing my potential happiness we'll say on me excelling when I got this opportunity but it didn't happen that way and nobody relented for me I had the opportunity but I did not shine above anyone else and it was a total me thing it wasn't a collaborative type of thing I didn't love the company I was around, even though they were inviting. And because everyone didn't relent to my demands and my hopes, I buckled under that pressure. But to be in that position, I understand that this guy I was speaking of that I thought I didn't like at the time... He looked out so much by granting me what I needed there. I, I didn't have time in to be able to call shots like that. So I had to respect the game in hindsight. And clear his name in my mind some. But what I did after about a couple months, man, it got to being too much. Everything wasn't easy like I thought. And it was harder for me to adjust to a 
higher level of playing sports than I thought it would be. And I wasn't sleeping much at all because you got to think I had a full-time job and I was a full-time student. And the school was like an hour and something away from where I lived. So basically, throughout the week, I was sleeping about... Um, and the way I spaced my schedule out, I had like two-hour breaks in between a couple of my classes. And that to say, I slept for about an hour to two hours every day. They would let me sleep my first hour at work. I would clock in and sleep for an hour. Imagine that. They allowed me to do that. And then I'd, I'd get home for a quick little break and sleep for about 40 minutes. So much so that I drove my car off the road because I fell asleep driving. So it's basically miraculous that I'm here talking to you now, right? And of course, I made up some other reason why it happened, but that was the deal. I mean, I was exhausted. And I came to a point where I couldn't take it anymore. And that's why I stress to people that sports, life, anything is mental. So much of the game is mental. If you don't have the fortitude, if you don't have the poise, eventually, if you're up against it and things don't come easy for you, and it looks as if you're going to have a rough path, people lay down. They fold under that. So I understand that everything I deal with is mental. And it would never get easier, even though every situation would not be that tough initially. At some point, anything you do where it's kind of on your shoulders and other people rely on you, it will get to that point. And what people want to see is not that you're so ironed that nothing bothers you. You're so built that nothing can make you crumble a little bit. You need to make the proper investments along the way. In the people. In your resources. I would say this. If you're at a stage where. Anywhere in adult age. You need to have allies. Friends and allies. Somebody who's going to look out for you. When you're on your face. No matter how well you prepare. And I got finished telling somebody this earlier. No matter how well you prepare. You can't cover all bases. You think you are, I got them, I got that, that's set up if this goes wrong. But some things are unpredictable. And as I, I was explaining, people themselves, sometimes you invest in somebody enough to where y'all lean on each other so much, you may not believe in them initially, but once you understand that that person can handle so much weight, you feel comfortable leaning on that resource, on that person. But those are the points where you're setting yourself up for failure. The points you lean on the hardest. The points you've established the most rapport in. You've shown the most loyalty. You've received, at that point, the most loyalty. That's how you soften up to start to rely on that source. To start to rely on that resource. 
And what I was saying to somebody earlier was basically you start to establish a trust and that's how somebody can get themselves in a position where they can cost you on a grand scale typically because if you don't know somebody you're not going to put a lot in their hands you're not going to rely on them on a tall level but when you start to rely on somebody they start to be uh, reliable is where that person can burn you later and it's something simple it could be that they get triggered by something you say that in their mind they feel like you're shining on them. Anytime it gets to the point where they start to see you like you think you're above them or you can't falter like they have or they feel they will falter so they feel you don't have that trait and they go out of your, their way to make sure that you stumble. They sabotage, which... How often have I talked about people sabotaging, you know? And not everyone will fold, but some will. And you can't expect that it won't happen. You can never be so nice to everybody that it never happens and no one ever turns on you. That's not possible. See, because you have to have... That big stick you carry around. You got to be serious and know you're not going to accept anything. And have other people know you're not just going to accept anything. That's what makes people respect you. And stay in line to the point where they won't cost you. If you're so nice and you see somebody doing something you you see is out of line. And you don't correct it right there. They're going to see you as weak. And they're going to see you as blind like you don't see that. So you can't be so non-reactive that you never lay the hammer down. No. That you never have a boundary. No. Stop. You understand? You have to direct. And if you are somebody who direct and call shots and make moves, you have to be serious. You have to hold people accountable. So at that point, you can't be so nice all the time. You can be kind. But you can't be jolly all the time and happy, happy, happy because it's not genuine. So at what point are you trying so hard not to be uh, disagreeable that you start being fake? That you start not having boundaries? That people don't know who they're following? And Sinful the Peace says something that's perfect for where I stand right now and that's You have to lead beyond your pain. Meaning if you got everything going on and you distracted. I got plenty going on right now. Don't we all at some point. I'm straight long term. But I got a couple small distractions in front of me right now. But you must lead beyond your pain. You must always keep yourself as relatable. So if someone is close to you and they're investing in you. That proximity and their investment allows you to allow them to be privy to a lot of what you got going on. Even to the point where you allow them to be involved in your decision making process. At that time. For that particular circumstance. Right. So. That makes you relatable. But. The paradox is you can't be whiny. You can't be weak. People want to feel like they're investing in somebody tall, in something tall, in a winner. 
People don't always want to be winners, but they sure would like to align themselves with one. So any type of struggle or pain makes you relatable, but you must be able to lead beyond it. And I got this from Donald Trump, by the way. Some book I read way back. I didn't know his politics or where he stood. And I still really don't have a strong grasp of all that stuff. But he said something that was vital. And Russell Simmons kind of made the same point in one of his books. Trump said when he was not doing well. And the company was not in position to make certain moves to keep the morale up. He would still plan purposely with his team with resources they did not have yet. So he knew it was vital that he had his people seeing forward, seeing tall, thinking tall. Your think has to be big. Your ask has to be big. Play on a grander scale. You don't want to gather your people around and talk about how you're going to recover these couple G's, these small resources, because that's going to have the morale down. You want to make bigger moves and plan towards something bigger, meaning you see me getting rained on, but it ain't nothing. I ain't tripping. You don't trip. What's ahead of you? I heard someone make reference to you can't see your shadow if you're looking up. I don't 100% know what they meant by when they, when they said that, but I do know this. Your shadow self, which was talked about by Carl Jung, you understand? Your shadow self, the dark side of you, it's harder to get into that if you're looking up. It's harder for people to have negative things to get into and get involved with and entangled with when you have a taller vision. If you're ahead and have people trying to push themselves to keep up with you, it's a proper place to leave from. You see, they have more leeway to look down and over and across when you're behind trying to push them and tell them what to do. They're more inclined to look back and say, what you mean? Do what? They're unsure. But if you're ahead, A1, you're demonstrating. So you're showing that you do it and how to do it. There's no room or no other direction for them to look but up and forward ahead at you. Demonstrating. You never ask of your people what you do not put in yourself. If I give a direction or if I prompt somebody to take a certain action, it's never going to be from a stance of something in theory. What you could do, what I would do, is typically something that I do, you know, and maybe I see a way that they could do it as well or do it better. This builds trust. But... Back to how it started. I did quit that team. And it was so soft how I did it. I basically broke down and confided in one of the players. And it was just whack. And I wound up leaving the school altogether. And it cost me when I tried to play somewhere else. It was just a lot. and It was, it was a mental breakdown. And that's perfect because I had what I thought would... Uh, Keep me up and happy at the time and occupied at the time. I kept my job, so I was having all the money. I would shop at the school, buy what I felt like, which for me was a lot because I didn't work in high school. You know, you're susceptible to whatever your parent or parents can buy you. 
if you really want something, they look out, but they're not just going to frivolously buy anything for no real good reason, you know, birthday, Christmas, all that, but in school shop, so I was having mine, I got used to it, I, I buy what I want, eat what I want, when I want, you know, but that wasn't enough. I went to class when I felt like it, like I, like I basically did in high school. I showed up to high school and paid attention when I wanted to, but now I don't actually have to go to class. I was doing the things I wanted to do, but it didn't mean anything to me. It wasn't as fulfilling as I thought it might be on the outside looking in. So basically, I wasn't performing like I should have on the basketball court. And it was premature for me to feel like I should quit. And it was wrong for me to feel like I should quit. You know, I tell myself I left because I, I didn't want to burn my eligibility sitting on the bench. But who knows if I would have been sitting down on the bench. And it wasn't the coach's fault. I wasn't excelling past anyone out there. You know? And imagine telling the people at the job that I wasn't going to play no more. It's like the letdown. We had something to look forward to in their eyes. We've been talking about it all summer. And, you know, the bulk of it was this. It was a ego thing, an image thing. Why? Because I remember how hard it was at a time in school, in high school, when I wasn't getting playing time, it was hard for me to have people I know come to the game and I wasn't getting X amount of minutes and I'd blame so-and-so and he liked him better than me. I knew if I wasn't performing up to par. So when I got to college and it looked like it could have been the same route, I kind of unraveled the prospect of that, that the pressure that somebody did make it uh, a point in their schedule to free themselves up for when I had an event and that I might not be playing. The pressure of that was a lot for me. And there is basically the difference between who's it, who can handle the reins, the lead, and who can't. And that's a lot of what separates and organizes and aligns the lead. You see, I've I seen guys who, when they're practicing or rehearsing, they're hitting all the notes. They're doing all the drills. You're like, how's one better than the next? And the next, they're all doing the same exercises. But what happens is there's an order that takes place once everything gets a little more tense, once there's a little more pressure. You understand? People relent and give up control. And order always establishes itself. I made an example about Michael Jordan one time. By stats, there are players who shoot a better percentage than him. So you would think if you coached his team, why would you have to give the ball to him when a guy shoots a better percentage 
from a certain part of the floor, why wouldn't you just give him the ball? It's because that person is inclined to get it out of their hands and give it to him. Michael, why? Because he doesn't want the pressure of missing. He doesn't want the social pressure of people knowing that the ball is supposed to go to Michael. Why are you holding the ball for? So all that goes into play. You watching the game and think they just playing basketball or anything, not just a sport, but anything in life. So people will relent and lay down. And what happens is somebody who we deem as being amazing under pressure, all that happens is they have fear as the other people do, but their fear typically is not wanting to lose, not wanting somebody else to have it in their hands. They want it in their hands because they fear what happens when they don't have control over things. And that's a lot of how I came full circle years later. See, when I threw away chances back in the day, And then I lived life for so many years. You long for a chance to have things in your hand and the pressure on you. Why? Because it gives you control. You control it. Uh, You can't look at it as everybody looking at me. I got the ball. I got this. I got the responsibility. I got the project. How do I do it with the pressure on me? You prefer it in your hands because when it's snatched out of your hands, you don't have control over what happens and you think you'll never get an opportunity like that again. And am I going to live the rest of my life not having full control over how things go? You would love to have it in your hands and this is going to turn out how I take it. I don't have to rely on that person to give me X amount. I don't have to rely on that person to get it done. This is where I want it. And what happens is that person is turned on by that moment. And they excel in that moment. And they push in that moment because they fear losing while most people fear the consequences of not getting it done and how they'll look. They're so distracted. Tyler from RSD calls it split intent. It's the same as a male going up to a female. You think it's as simple as, I want her, let me get at her. Let me see what she's talking about. But it ain't. You're not just worried about how am I going to get her? I need to get her. You got split focus and split intent because you're trying not to have people see that you're going up to her. You're trying not to let her know that you like her. You're trying not to look stupid. You're trying not to get rejected. You're splitting about seven different ways. Your fear is all these other things. When the fear in that instance She can't get out of here without me getting her. A simple thing we can understand. Relationships, right? But that split intent of the average person is what separates them from somebody who excels, who you think is just so fire and so courageous under pressure. They have their own fears, but their fears are different than yours. They learn to fear the proper thing. So you need to make a choice and a decision about what you're going to fear. And that's how you live life. You will want things in your hand. The hardest thing, man, is to drop the ball on opportunity and then never get a chance that you had before. I'm like, damn, I had it in my hands. If I had done X, Y, Z right, it, it, it never was a better opportunity for me than when I had all that pressure. Why? So things like that is how you learn who you are. 
and who's who. Because truth is this, you won't do well in anything for a sustainable amount of time if you can't handle people looking at you and expecting. See, the expectations is what makes it hard to do something for a long duration. See, if you sneak up on people, you do well a couple times and no one really expected it from you. Number one, there typically are not too many forces trying to hold you back because they didn't expect it. A lot of people aren't looking at you or expecting it. There's no expectation. So if you pop up and do a, a few things good, wow, okay, now people start to look at you. And you think you want people to look at you because we're so attention deprived and so approval deprived. We think we want people to look at us. But when people are looking at you, man, it makes things a whole lot tougher. And we want to turn the spotlight away from us. That's why a lot of times we self-sabotage. It's been said that people fear being successful. It's not just a saying. It's because it mounts to pressure and it mounts to a lot of expectations. And when you have expectations, you have to come mentally prepared day by day by day. It's all process oriented. There's going to be a point where the expectations build, but maybe you're not inspired that day and all that. So people talk inspired and inspiration and motivated. That ain't sustainable because there are going to be days you don't feel like doing it. But now you reach a certain level and a certain name for yourself that people expect you to deliver. But you may not feel like it that day. So all you have in the end is the process. Motivation and all that, you need to get rid of that word. So you must be married to the process. And you have to fear ruining all that preparation. You must prepare so well that your fear is about destroying the potential of all that preparation. When you get in front of an audience, you can't worry about how you look. Do I look cool? Are they paying attention? You want to know that for how you prepare and how you alter along the way. But the fear should not be when you get in front of an audience, how you're going to look in front of them. You're aware, but your fear should not be how you're going to look in front of the audience. Your fear is that you do not prepare and deliver your material strong enough for them to walk away with what they came in for. Right? It's not about you. You don't extend hands and set things up with other people and give them a role and give your energy to them for you. You'll benefit, but that's not what it's about. So your fear of public speaking and fear of this and fear of that, you're being selfish, as they say. You're not caring about your audience. Your fear has to flip into you're worrying about that you didn't mention what you prepared, that you skip a step in what you prepared. So if you were to falter on stage and forget something, you wouldn't be like, oh my goodness, what do I say next? You wouldn't freeze up because you would be more so salty that you forgot what you were trying to say to the people and maybe they don't receive the full message as pure as you would have liked to deliver it. 
So this is how you attack the world in a more selfless type of way, right? But we all have uh, certain regrets and all this. But it's to be able to tell a story like this. That's what my journey is for, is to be able to tell a story. You know? But I did quit that team, and I, it's one of the only times that I've, and I can't even say I regretted it, because I needed it at the time, right? I mean, I don't know if you call it a regret, but it's my story, you know? All that to say now, I speak on resilience. More so than anything. Because if there's no reward for what you're doing, or the reward isn't as grand and as shiny as you thought when you started it, are you still going to do it? Is the game in you? You understand? Did you do it for the trinkets? Do you think when you shower yourself in trinkets, it'll make you the real thing? So something has to be stronger than what you're going to get from the outside to make you do anything that you do on a continual basis. It's about finding your purpose. Your purpose is stronger than the feedback you get. You must connect to yourself on a stronger level than that. You know? But I'm going to wrap up. Sure, sweet. I like it. But even more so than that. Be kind, be pleasant, and be great. Freeze this, freeze that.